In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. And welcome on into the rebuild. I am your host, Henry Ettinger, today coming to you on a victory Monday. Browns take down the Eagles 22 to 17 on Sunday. And I am joined this week once again by Spencer Mahone from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Spencer, how are you doing on this fine, fine victory Monday? Man, I'm doing great. I will be honest, I'm really happy with how the Browns played, especially without Miles Garrett. I know that's teasing something we're going to talk about uh, coming up. But we found Olivier Vernon. Finally, we found Olivier Vernon. Absolutely. Uh, that he One of the major storylines from this game, for sure. Browns, as I said, 22-17 victory over the Eagles. And it really wasn't even that close. Garbage time TD, really, by the Eagles made it closer than it was. Browns were in control towards the end of this game. And, and Spencer, let's just jump into it. Let's start right there. The defense, that's that's a storyline a lot of people are talking about. You look at the points per game over the last couple games, it's it's tr- dropped dramatically. Of course, the weather has been a factor. The opponent's also potentially a factor. So was this game more about the Eagles being bad or were there signs of improvement for this Browns defense that you think can last throughout the rest of the season? Honestly, I think it's a mix of both. I mean. On the side with uh, Philadelphia, you have Carson Wentz, who looked overcooked, essentially, and his confidence, I think, is absolutely shot. His line is honestly not great, and even when, you know, he has reads, he'll just miss them, and his first read was wide open on uh, the Taki Taki pick six, and he just missed it, and he ended up going for that a flat dump off to Miles Sanders, which ended up being intercepted by Taki Taki after Denzel Ward made a great play on the blitz. But it's also improvement, I think, because as I mentioned, Olivier Vernon showed up, even though Sheldon Richardson didn't make it on the stat sheet too, too heavily, he's started to come around and the line is actually starting to gel, I think. And, I think that's a really, really encouraging sign. I agree on the Olivier Vernon front. I mean, how could you not agree on the Olivier Vernon front? He had his best game as a Cleveland Brown. I think that's pretty safe to say. He was all over the place. He And I know the Eagles are down offensive line starters, all that. But he lived in the backfield and was in Carson Wentz's area all day long. I just – it was so uncomfortable – you know, the easiest argument against the Browns, and I tweeted this out during the game on Sunday, is Carson Wentz honestly played one of the worst games I can remember a quarterback playing against the Browns that was established. You know, not a backup that was in there because of injury, not, you know, somebody as a rookie, anything like that. 
Carson Wentz is supposedly an established starter in the NFL, and he made some of the decisions I, I just couldn't believe. I mean, the pick six to Taki Taki was a horrendous decision. The pick in the end zone, throwing into triple coverage that they you know, they ended up overturning uh, against Mac Wilson. But I, there were just some dumbfounding decisions. Not getting rid of the ball on that safety. Uh, you know, the pass rush was great, but it came didn't come from the blind side. It was right in Carson Wentz's face, and he didn't get rid of the ball. All that stuff. I just I couldn't believe how bad he was. And I know he's struggled this season, but seeing it against this Browns team, I just I. Wow, it was it was really that bad. Uh, on the flip side, though, I think the takeaway for me on the Browns' defense is they're good at least in the right areas, right? They have Denzel Ward, who's going to take away a number one receiver to a certain degree. They've got a really strong defensive line that, as you said, Spencer, is gelling. And so if your offensive line's not good, they're going to take advantage of that. Now, do I think the linebackers are still weak? I do. I know Taki Taki played a great game. I still have concerns about their ability to cover down the field. The Eagles hit a couple big plays to Dallas Goddard, matched up against our linebackers. So those concerns honestly still remain for me against the elite teams. But what's good about the Browns going forward, and we'll, we'll get to their schedule later, is the, the reason this team is doing well is because they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. And I think that's because their defense has at least the key pieces you need, you know, to take advantage of the obvious weaknesses on bad teams. Oh, absolutely. And you mentioned the pass rush. Yeah, it was great. But the one play I keep flashing back to is when the Browns dropped eight in coverage, they sent a three-man rush, and Carson Wentz still got sacked. I was like, how the hell does someone get sacked on a three-man rush? How, like, And even Mark Slareth and the play-by-play uh, -play guy for Fox, they were absolutely dumbfounded. I'm, I couldn't believe it for a second. I'm like, is, 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 am I really watching this right now? It, it, it seems like something, oh, God, like, you know, Browns quarterbacks of, you know, years past would do, dare I say. I've been on this train for the last couple of weeks on this podcast. For those of you loyal listeners out there, uh, I appreciate you sticking with me as I say it again. But the amount of Carson Wentz defenders in the national media versus uh, Baker Mayfield skeptics. I mean, I just – I don't know how you watch that game and have any other takeaway other than Baker Mayfield's at a, a level far above Carson Wentz at this point, which I don't think you could say in the previous seasons. But – and that isn't even so much a commentary on Baker Mayfield as it is the decisions Carson Wentz made as a quarterback in that game were indefensible. They just weren't. They, there were just so many times – where I could not believe the throws he was making, both from a decision standpoint and then on the execution. There was also – he missed a, a ton of, of open receivers or at least, you know, didn't even give them a chance when there was decent coverage but not amazing coverage. But, the, you know, overall in this game, look, the linebackers graded out a lot better and, and clearly, you know, pro football focus liked the way the Browns played in this one. I just – I still have a couple concerns. Uh, I You know, seeing Taki Taki as a rookie, hopefully, you know, not only did he have the pick six, but I thought he made another, you know, some other nice plays. That would be huge for the Browns if they can get some more production out of that linebacker core. I'm just, I'm not quite, quite fully sold on, on the Browns defense. Spencer, I would, we also got to talk about the offense. So 22 points in the rain, 
Not a great Eagles defense this year, but the Browns, again, getting it done on the offensive side of the football. What did you see on that side from the Browns yesterday? I feel like they played like a traditional AFC North team where they just bully you with the run and you know exactly where this is going to lead. It's the clip that's all over Twitter. It's what made probably every national highlight reel this morning. It's the Nick Chubb stiff arm. That, like, I, I think that pretty much defined the entire game. As like as many times as I watched it both last night and this morning and the times that I heard about it. And of course this was followed by uh cream hunt hurdling someone for a touchdown. Like the amount of times that like people have brought those two up. I absolutely love it. And this is, I think what is actually going to define the Browns. They're going to be a run first football team. And, th and this is where I feel like Baker, the game manager, comes in. And this is why I don't have a problem with it is because you have arguably the best running back tandem in the National Football League. Yeah, I, I you know, a lot of, of course, a lot of the conversation around, around the Browns offense is going to start with Baker Mayfield. But the, really the entire season, it, it starts with those two backs in the backfield. And it's not is sexy to talk about but it's from everybody I talk to around the team Kevin Stefanski is not uh, only a great play caller on pass plays but they he has been praised over and over again for his run designs and for wearing you know those teams down and I think that part is obvious to the fans where for the second game in a row the Browns ran the ball consistently through the first three quarters but didn't have a ton of success and then really broke down the Eagles in the fourth quarter. And as I said, everybody I talked to, Jake Burns, who does great work here at, at, uh, on the OBR podcast uh, on Blue Wire, he talked about it. Kevin Stefanski is setting those plays up throughout the whole game. He's mixing all sorts of different play calls that are setting up the defense for success in the fourth quarter. And you're seeing that as the casual fan can see the results of that as the game goes along. I, I saw this from Next Gen Stats that Nick Chubb has gained 387 more rush yards than expected in the fourth quarter since 2018. That's the best uh, mark and second best is Derrick Henry. So people always talk about how, you know, Derrick Henry and the Titans, they always wear people down. But the Browns are doing that on offense. They are wearing people down both from a physical standpoint, but also a strategic standpoint, making these guys defend all sorts of different run plays the entire game. And then eventually Nick Chubb breaks off one of those crazy runs and it's game over. Yeah, absolutely. You hit that one perfectly. And I mean, sure, like Baker can pass the ball. He had some really good passes over the top to Kadero Hodge and Jarvis Landry and, you know, the receivers and tight ends that he's got. He missed a couple. He missed the Austin Hooper touchdown. He missed the Harrison Bryant touchdown, both in the same possession, which I believe led to only a field goal or a that was when, field goal. That was when we got stopped on the uh, on the one-yard oh, line there. The yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, play. Yeah, so it, it resulted in no points. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'd, I'd love to go next is – 
Baker Mayfield missed those two throws, but then also made some good plays today. How did, how did you evaluate his performance out there? You know, I mean, as long as he's not throwing picks and turning it over, I'm completely okay with him throwing it, you know, 25, 30 times a game. He seems to be efficient with the football. And, and I know people out there are going to be like, oh, but, you know, he's being Baker the game manager. Well, Baker the game manager just got you to win number seven, and you're looking like a pretty legitimate football team and a playoff contender at that. Look, I think I've been more skeptical of Baker than most Browns fans. And I think you hit the nail on the head, Spencer. You stole the words right out of my mouth. The improvement from Baker Mayfield the last couple of weeks from a decision-making standpoint, I think, has been, has been really, really solid. And something, if you're a Browns fan, has to make you extremely happy is that Baker Mayfield is not making those picks that just have you shaking your head. And I know he turned the ball over once in this game, but it was kind of a weird play with Fletcher Cox, you know, kind of reaching back. And I actually, you know, it, on a rainy that's day. Fletcher that, Cox making a veteran play. I mean, yeah. that, that was a fantastic play. And it, it, I thought it was a fantastic play as well. And, you know, if on a rainy day like today and with the conditions he's dealt with the last couple of weeks to have the decision-making be as good as it's been uh, has been to me a sign of real progress from Baker. And yes, he missed a couple throws, but we just talked about it. This offense starts with the run and Baker Mayfield has become a great passer out of play action. He was four for four for like 112 yards or something in this game. It was 60% of the Browns passing yards in this game came off of play action. And, and so if the Browns can continue to run the football even with mild success and set Baker up for those play action passes, he's really improving in that area. He's got, he's developed this hard count. That's all of a sudden become Aaron Rodgers esque picking up the Browns five yards when they need him. And all things considered, I actually think he, despite the the low output in terms of points the last couple of weeks, I think he's looked pretty good. It's just been tough weather. Yeah. I mean, well, the past couple weeks, you're not going to throw well with really windy weather and rain and snow and, you know, four seasons in one game. That's not going to help anybody. Rain doesn't slow you down as much as the wind would. So, like you said, you hit it right on the head from a decision-making standpoint. He's been absolutely perfect. The hard count is, like you said, it's Aaron Rodgers-esque. Again, you hit the nail on the head. And this team's fun to watch. Like, they're a ground-and-pound, old-school AFC North team. They're just going to beat you up with the run, and, you know, they're going to set it up. It's going to be from the outside in. They're going to set up that outside zone, and they're going to work inside. And if you can work inside with slants and, you know, an inside zone or two, you can set up that naked boot where you have Baker with like 30 years to throw the football. And usually if he throws, if he goes and does that naked boot, he's going over the top. And I mean, he hit Kadero Hodge on one of those and it was beautiful. Kadero Hodge, uh, I mean, that was the surprise of the day. I think I did not expect him to fulfill the role he did. Three catches, 73 yards, but three really nice plays. 
and, and good chemistry with Baker. I think that was a really positive sign if you're the Browns. On a day where it didn't seem like Baker had it working with the tight ends, Kadero Hodge really stepped up. So that was great to see, of course, with that absence of Odell Beckham. Jarvis Landry is going to need some help, and the natural fit there is Rashard Higgins, but Kadero Hodge also getting involved is a great sign, I think, for things to come. And once again, I thought this was a, a really a great performance from Kevin Stefanski. I'm going to continue to beat the drum that Kevin Stefanski's the best offensive mind the Browns have had in a long time, uh, maybe even dating back to Kyle Shanahan in 2014. And I think he is setting Baker up for success with those rollouts, with the play action, with the run schemes. All of it, to me, points to a coach that's getting better every week in his first season at the, at the helm. Absolutely. And I think it's only going to go up from here because you're still going to have, you know, a lot of cap space. Baker's still on that rookie deal. And this, this was a really good point from uh, Dan Medigan this morning on uh, Cleveland sports radio, 92.3, the fan. He, he said, you at least, have Baker for the next two years and this is essentially to see you know if he's worth that big money he's looking like it right now and he's definitely playing like it I absolutely love watching the offense I mean as wild as that sounds I didn't think I'd hear those words come out of my mouth at this point in the season (laughs) <laughs> that's not something the Browns fans have been able to say a whole lot in the last several years. The offense has just not been uh, very exciting outside of two years ago in Baker's rookie season. That's really the only time of recent memory where I've actually had a little bit of confidence in the team. But speaking of confidence, Spencer, quickly, we're going to preview the Jacksonville game. Jags come into this contest one and nine, though they, they've played some teams at least close for parts of the game. You know, two weeks ago, very competitive against Green Bay for a while. They were kind of hanging in it at first with Pittsburgh before ultimately getting beat by a couple scores. But Miles Garrett, once again out uh, with COVID, he's already been ruled out for next Sunday. The Browns were really strong on the defensive line without him this Sunday. However, Spencer, do you smell a trap? Yes or no? I'm worried about it, yes, because the this team's one in nine. If I mean you if you look at this matchup, Miles Garrett or not, you are supposed to win this game. Now, I still have every bit of confidence in Kevin Stefanski in the offense. And I I think if the defense shows up to even a fraction of what they did in the past couple of weeks, the Browns will will go through this game with flying colors. They'll win by a couple scores. It, it might not be all sunshine and rainbows when you watch the game at points, but I, I think the Browns take care of business. I'm just at least somewhat worried about the trap. I have a little bit. On, the only thing that gives me pause is I think the Jaguars defense is a little underrated actually for, for how they've played this season. Um, so I think this could be a slight bit of a test for the offense to make sure they're firing on all cylinders. However, I, I just I think this team, Jacksonville, doesn't have a lot of morale. They've been beaten down the last couple of weeks. So I'm feeling 
reasonably confident about this game. As a, a probably about as confident as I could be as a Browns fan, to be honest with you. I think everybody in that in the fan base feels the same way. Where you can only be so confident with this team, uh, given all that we've witnessed. But uh, of course, Miles Garrett being out it worries me a little. I don't think it's the end of the world if he's look if he's going to miss a game. This is the one to miss. So I'm going to say I'm not too worried. The last time I had confidence, I'm still getting messages about my confidence against the Raiders and how it's cost us. So hopefully I'm not wrong, but I, I do feel pretty good about the Browns this week. And we'll talk about, you know, coming up here, how that's gonna, that game is going to play into the Browns playoff picture with the win, moving to seven and three, they've got, you know, a 58% chance to make the playoffs, I think I last saw, according to the numbers, guys. So Spencer and I are going to talk about the Browns' path to the playoffs. But first, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode of The Rebuild is brought to you by Bet Online. Yes, football is back in full swing. And while you might not be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going to go the extra mile to make sure you can get on, in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team and player coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Whether it's that or anything else, you can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division championships, championship futures, anything like that, all day, every day. Head to Bet Online and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And just don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to let them know that you came from us. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. This podcast is also brought to you by Indeed. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. And Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to help make your search that much easier. For example, sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over three and a half million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try out Indeed with a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. All right, and we're back on the rebuild. Spencer, Browns pick up a big win against the Eagles. I know they're not a good team, but they also were still fighting for playoff position, and so that was a big win for the Browns. The Ravens, on the flip side, dropped a game to the Titans. The Browns moved up to the five seed. Things are starting to get a little clearer in the playoff picture, but also not really because there are still a lot of AFC teams hanging around. So, Spencer, after this game, where are you at with the Browns' playoff picture? Who do you think are their biggest threats? How confident are you feeling that they make it? Talk to me. 
So I'm looking at the five, six seed. Now I think the Browns have a serious play at the five seed right now. Vegas is an afterthought. They're six and four. They're a full game behind the Browns. Ooh, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with you there, but we can't, we'll, we'll get back to that. I was going to say at the moment, they're an afterthought because they're a full game back. So let's take the Raiders out of this picture right now. I'm looking at four, five, and six. So it's the Browns, the Colts, and the Titans. Now, four, five, and six all match up pretty equally. The common four that I picked, I picked Houston and then the three teams from the AFC North that are not the Browns, Baltimore, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh. And all three teams match out to two and two. That being said, the Browns to hold out and out number five will need to beat Tennessee should Indianapolis go on to win the division. The Browns already hold that tie break. And if the Browns can beat the Titans, like I said, they're out and out number five. And if it's as simple as that, really, because all these teams are two and two, like I said, in the common four scenario, the Titans need to beat the Colts and the Browns to have a play at the five seed. Now that's assuming the Colts go and win the South. If the Titans win the South, the Colts are going to be six and the Browns are going to be five with the Titans four. It's a very interesting playoff picture. Now you mentioned the Raiders. They're in at number seven, they're six and four. Like I said, for a second here in this scenario, they're an afterthought. But let's bring the Raiders into this. Where are you sitting with Las Vegas? Well, they, they worry me the most just I, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think Vegas might be the best team of anybody the Browns are competing with. So there's that. Number two, they've already played their toughest games of the season. They, you know, they've gotten their games with the Chiefs out of the way. They still have the Jets left on their schedule as well. And I don't think the rest of their schedule is crazy. You know, they do have the Colts. Uh, they do have the Dolphins. But I think the Raiders are better than those teams, in my opinion. I know the Colts pick up a big win against the Packers. So that's certainly debatable. But And then the third reason is they have the tiebreaker against the Browns because they beat the Browns. So uh, the Raiders worry me a lot still. I'm not going to give up on the Ravens. Uh, I think the Ravens have a good chance to win against the Steelers on Thursday night. I know Ronnie Stanley's out, but I think their schedule is workable as well. I'm I'm a little worried still about the Browns. I worry about that Giants game just because I think a lot of Browns fans are penciling that in as a victory. I've watched a lot of Giants football this year. I actually don't think that team is that bad. I think that defense is very, very good. And that game could present some real challenges for the Browns. Uh, and I think a lot of people are penciling that in as a win. I kind of think if the Browns are going to be the five seed, they need to go at least 11 and five. And that might not even be good enough, but I think 11 and five is really the only way you can even feel that comfortable about making the playoffs is I think the Browns really got to beat one of Baltimore or Tennessee to really secure themselves a, a playoff spot. Otherwise I think they're going to be 10 and six and involved in the tiebreakers. Yeah, you're exactly right. And 
you mentioned the Giants. That's one of my two trap games in the final six weeks of the season. Now, I also put in my notes, if the Browns run the logical table, i.e. they beat the Giants, the Jets, if they can beat the Titans and the Jags, they're four and two in their 11 and five, which means, you know, they're solidly the fifth seed. But I, I, I would not make them the favorite, though, against the Titans. That's where. No, I do not make them the favorite at all, which is why the Titans essentially would be my second trap game. I think the Titans stack up pretty well with the Browns. They have Derrick Henry. That defense, I think, is pretty solid. Not great, not bad. They're still yeah. very solid. It's going to be, I think, on paper, the most equal matchup of this season. And that's, that's the game that I'm really penciling in to watch. I cannot wait to see these two teams go head-to-head. It's going to be insane. I think it's going to be a very defensive game against the Titans, however. Interesting, interesting. So let me ask you this, because I've been going back and forth on this. I think I'm still a believer in Baltimore, but do you feel better? Let's let's take out the Giants for a second. Do you feel better about the Browns beating the Ravens or the Titans? I personally would feel better about the Browns' chances with Tennessee, but with how off, I guess I can say, Baltimore has looked the past couple of weeks. I wouldn't put it by the Browns to pull a fast one on Baltimore. But my thought, and it's just myself essentially playing devil's advocate in this situation, it's saying divisional games just mean more. And I don't know what it is about Baltimore. They they could be 0-14, but they're always going to play the Browns hard. Or they could be as bad as they want to be. They're always going to play the Browns close, play the Browns hard, because it just means more to Baltimore. Here's one other thing, too, we haven't brought up quite yet, and it's something I've started to see circulate out there, is people are penciling in a loss for the Browns against the Steelers, or were, Week 17. But... Steelers up two games on the Chiefs could be in a position to rest their starters if that's the case in that week 17 game, which could be a huge, huge break for the Browns. We, you know, we've been on the other side of that a couple of times when it hasn't mattered for us in the playoff picture. But in this case, it could be of massive importance to the team. And so that's something else you want to factor in. And I'm about to say something slanderous in Browns country, but if you're a Browns fan, you should be a huge Steelers fan as well on Thursday, on Thanksgiving. You should. For the Browns' playoff chances, if the Pittsburgh Steelers can beat Baltimore, they will have a really good chance to be the one seed to be resting their starters, and that adds a loss to Baltimore in the AFC. Spencer, I'm going to say it. We're going to have to. We're going to have to put our. Uh, you know, we're going to have to make uh, friends with our enemies here and root for the Steelers, I think, on Thursday night. At least I will be for the sake of the Browns. What's that saying? The enemy of my enemy is my friend? I guess we're playing that card. I mean, <laughs> I look, I know many Browns fans who would 
who can't bring themselves to root for the Steelers, but I can. I, I haven't seen the Browns in a playoff game that I can really remember, to be honest. 2002, I don't really have a lot of memories of. So I'm going to say, yeah, I'm rooting for the Steelers on Thursday night. Sorry, Browns fans. I am. I'm doing it. I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. As we mentioned just a minute ago, Baltimore all of a sudden finds themselves in an absolute tailspin. And what a juggernaut to run up against on Thanksgiving night in the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if the Steelers come away with a win, you know, Baltimore continues that nosedive just straight down the standings. And they're already on the outside looking in. This, should Baltimore lose, this is going to hurt Baltimore a lot, I feel like. Yeah, I think they'd been in real trouble, which is why, as, as I said, if you're a Browns fan, you've got to swallow your pride. I don't know. It's, it's hard. I'm not saying it's not hard. I don't want to have to root for the Steelers. But, look, what, what's got what's to get done has got to get done, all right? I, I'm, I'm willing to, to do it because not that my, my rooting for them is actually going to make any difference on the field. But it's important for the Browns uh, that the Steelers win that game. It would help their odds drastically. Uh, and – it was just like it was important for the Chiefs to beat the Raiders this weekend. So, you know, whatever team it is, I'm rooting for whatever is best for, for, for the Browns, ultimately, at the end of the day. So, I, this game against the Eagles, we talked about it a lot, uh, you know, last week on the show. I was a little worried about it. Glad they got through it. But uh, still a lot of questions to be answered as far as their playoff pursuits go. But, Spencer, that's all I have. Anything else you'd like to say before we sign off here? I'm just thinking down the line, you know, if Baltimore continues this nosedive, I think this would qualify as one of the biggest Baltimore choke jobs that I've ever have been witnessing because, you know, this is a team up until a couple of weeks ago was hitting on all cylinders and, you know, they have every look of a playoff team and, you know, people are just penciling them in while the Browns are just, you know, quietly, you know, checking the boxes. And, and another thing we talked about this morning is the Browns are learning how not to lose against teams they're supposed to be. Now, come down the line, because I believe the Browns have to play Baltimore one more time. If Pittsburgh can win – you know, potentially it's an eight and three Browns team and a six and five Baltimore team. So Baltimore's two games down and they're even further down the wild card standings. And that just makes that matchup to the Browns mean more. You, it just, I think will just give the Browns a little, you know, extra pep in their step. And that's the one thing that I'm watching. I know the Browns are essentially the most boring team to listen to in press conferences because they say the same damn thing every day. And, you know, we just have to go one and know this week, and then we'll worry about going one and know next week, but it's kind of becoming, you know, this team's identity and that's fun to watch too. Yeah. This Baltimore thing almost reminds me of when Alex Mack got hurt for the Browns uh, a couple of years ago, back uh, when Shanahan was our offensive coordinator and people you know, the casual fans just don't pay as much attention to the offensive line. But if you look at the Ravens, 
Marshall Yonda retires. That was a big loss. And then Ronnie Stanley, their left tackle with this season-ending injury. I'm just not sure this team's going to be the same. I'm not sure schematically they can hold up the same with those guys departed for the season. Uh, on the offensive line, I, we may – we it may just be a different Baltimore team and we can, as Browns fans, I think you have to hope for that, but I'm certainly not going to count on it by any means. However, Browns seven and three, we're going to say it every week that they win. Can't be said enough. Seven and three best start since 1994. I believe for all you Browns fans out there, congratulations. We deserve this. Can't say it enough. I want to say one thing. Super Bowl! Super Browns! Yeah! <laughs> I'm going to be the pessimist here. I'm not going to go quite that far. But I'm hoping for playoff Browns. That's uh, what I'm hoping for. I, I picked that one from, from Ken Carmen's show. That I, <laughs> yeah. I absolutely love that drop. It's so funny <laughs> to listen to. They, they played it all morning this morning. Yeah, I, I, I have heard it many times before, and it is. And it's, hey... At least it's closer to reality than it's been in a long, long time. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll cut it there. But Browns fans, all you guys out there, I hope you're doing well on a Victory Monday. Browns 7-3. and three. Everybody, please, please, please enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday, however you are spending it. And until next time, go Browns. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.